I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this is Clockworks, a Legion podcast. And we've got some good things in the works for today. I think it's about time <laughs> we recorded another <laughs> podcast. We're got it, we've got it coming out like clockwork. No. And it's, we're going to be all over the... Oh. No. <laughs> okay. I like the puns, but are we done with the puns? You'll just have to wait and see. Uh, okay. Um, we are doing a season wrap-up episode today. Part two. Part two. If you listen to our first part of our season wrap-up, you already know the story we're about to tell you, but we recorded a season wrap-up. It was really long, longer than we thought it should be, and so we decided to break it up into a few more digestible chunks. So you're going to hear one... Thirty or more, I don't know. (laughs) Several, many, many chunks. Um, So you're going to hear another chunk of it today. Uh, As with the previous season wrap-up episode, what you're about to hear is was recorded as part of something longer. So if we say something about soon we'll talk about or less, we just finished talking about, you'll understand why that is. What we're talking about today... We're talking about themes this time. So we want to go through all the different themes that we've noticed in the whole season arc and season as a whole. Things that we couldn't talk about with the individual episodes. We're going to talk about the whole time. That's right. So the big ideas. Big ideas. So without any further ado, let's get to it. All right. We're going to look back over the whole season and talk about some of the things that have stood out to us and that uh, we think deserve a little bit of a closer look. Because if there's one thing we ha- don't do here on Clockworks, it's a close look at things. <laughs> um, so first, I think we should talk about the overall themes of the first season. What are the big ideas that the whole season has been talking about? And the major one, I think, uh, to start with is reality. Yes. All right. So we really move between not reality and not reality and memory and what is real and in the very first episode we get all these things thrown at us and we don't know we you know we have all these mental institution tropes that we mm-hmm. that you come into this already knowing but it kind of defies all of these tropes right away because it turns out he's not mentally ill he has powers yeah the basic premise of the show immediately is casting reality into double question right yeah. because the where you start is real world is the world as we usually experience it. And so when things seem weird, that's not real. Mm-hmm. And you're in a mental hospital, so you think the things that he's seeing that are strange are delusions and they're not real. And I'm on solid ground because I know what's real and what's not. And then it throws a loop in that that, oh, wait, those things might actually be real. And then it throws another loop in that because, but they're not real in the way that he thinks they are. And throughout the show, there's a lot of characters being pretty sure about what is real and what's not and the nature of reality and they are usually wrong right so are no wrong (laughs) um so the people at clockworks think that david has schizophrenia but they're wrong what they believe is the truth about or you could even back up david thinks there are voices in his head but he's wrong he is a mental illness he's schizophrenic but the people at Clockworks think that he's schizophrenic, but they're wrong. He is a mutant who is uh, hearing, who is telekinetically hearing voices. Mm-hmm. But the people at Summerland think he's a mutant who's hearing voices and he's not schizophrenic, 
but they're wrong. He is schizophrenic. There are multiple people in his head, and one of them is the Shadow King. Schizophrenia and multiple personality disorder are different things. And I feel like sometimes on this podcast, we failed to acknowledge that. That there are people in his head, but he also has schizophrenia, and those aren't the same thing. Or maybe Legion isn't doing a good job differentiating that. Okay, it means you're hearing vo- you're hearing things, and you're... And you're experiencing delusions of things, but there is an actual thing called multiple personality disorder. Which is a different oh, thing. Oh, which means you take on the personality, and so that's not what David has at all. Yeah. Unless he's being possessed by the Shadow King, but that's not anything to do with mental illness, that's to do with the Shadow King. So, I mean, we started off, uh, in our discussion of Legion, we started off, like, is he, is there a possibility that he's both mentally ill and have mental powers? And now that we've done the whole episode, now that we've done the whole season. Yeah, I think so. I think that he, it's both. I think it was both all along that he is still ill. And whether the Shadow King made him ill or whether he was predisposed to mental illness from birth or whatever, it's still there. That, that, that illness is still, is still in him. And it doesn't matter what caused it. Really, in the mm-hmm. end, like, because the Shadow King has been with him since birth, there's no separation of him and the Shadow King. There so is it's an illness that comes from trauma rather yes. than from whatever else, mental illness. Or, unless it's not. Unless it's not. Unless it's just, I yeah. mean, we've, sl- we've slid a little bit from talking about reality to talking about mental illness, yes. but those are connected on this show and yeah. in general. Like, the nature of his delusions helps us understand what reality is. Throughout the show, one of the things on a kind of deeper uh, philosophical level that I think the show is interested in is like, what does it mean for something to be real? Yeah. Which we've already talked, started talking about when we talk about mental illness that like, if the shadow King is creating, I mean, what Carrie says in uh, episode six, he does have schizophrenia because there's another person in his head who's speaking to him. Yes. It's not a mental illness, but it's a mutant, but it is schizophrenia. So Carrie is saying, like, this thing uh, is real because he experiences it, right? If And that goes back to, like, if his delusions are what he experiences, what is the difference between a reality that you experience because of a mutant or a reality that you experience because of chemicals in your brain or a reality that you experience because you're watching a TV show where they do weird things with the camera. Mm-hmm. What are the grounds upon which something gets to be called real? Yeah. I mean, we definitely struggled with that when it came to the like mental world of clockworks in episode six that like, okay, back in the real world, they're in David's bedroom, but then they put on the glasses and it's, the real world versus the crazy zombie patients. And like, there's all these layers of reality and there's no straight up what is real because even within David's house in what we're calling the real world, we don't actually know. And this is something I think we'll talk about uh, more, but you yeah. can say now, like how, do, how would we know yeah. whether it's real? Whether it's and or not real. Episode seven with all the black and white things, really draws attention to that, what is real and what isn't in that sense, that, uh, it, like, as a TV show, it's drawing our attention to the fact that this is a TV show. The silent film section is yes. very, making uh, is making the artificiality of the medium very apparent, mm-hmm. and that's drawing our attention to the fact that, like, okay, in that whole silent film section, what's real is that 
They're in clockworks and there are zombies, but you put on the glasses and you see what's real is they're in clockworks in black and white and there aren't zombies. But wait, that's the astral plane because what's real is that they're frozen in their room in David's bedroom, except that no, what's real is David is Dan and he's an actor Mm -hmm. and it's being um, the black and white and silent film and film cards is drawing our really drawing our attention to the fact that these are actors and it's filmed because it isn't trying to be realistic anymore. One of the things that uh, surrealism does is it alienates you from the text to cause you to question the nature of reality and representation and fiction. And And what I've brought up over and over in this podcast is the fact that it's not rooted in time. And that time is messing with reality that you have all this 70s stuff and 60s stuff. And then suddenly they're talking about email and there's a modern computer and there's a remote control. Like it's the eighties and there's just like, wait a minute, what decade is this even taking place in? You don't like, there's no grounding in that. And so the reality of this show is completely timeless with this kind of 70s aesthetic, mostly taking over i think one of the real one of the moments in the show that for me is the clearest statement of the show's interest in what actually is reality not just what is real in the fiction of the show but what constitutes reality is when the shadow king's talking to david about how love is chemicals in the brain and Mm -hmm. we talked about that at the time yeah but it's exactly um if love isn't real because it's chemicals in the brain, then is anything real? Mm-hmm. And this is something that sh- this is why psychedelic art is a- intellectually appealing in general, and why the show is intellectually appealing because it's not just about is David seeing what he sees; it's about are any of us seeing what we see? What is the relationship of our minds to the physical world that exists? Yeah. And are our feelings about the world that exists out there in some sense real? Yeah. And if not, then is anything real? Yeah. I'm tripping out right now. (laughs) (laughs) So let's move on to some of the other themes of, there's a big theme of power in this. And we see a power struggle between David, who is this ultimately powerful mutant. And then we have Division One, who's coming for him because of his power. And we have, and we have Melanie coming for him because of his power and they all really they all kind of claim they don't but they all want to use david because of his power because their own power is threatened Mm -hmm. and melanie who seems to have no mutant power is somehow is in charge of all these mutants and has all this power especially at the beginning of the season and that and we'll talk a little more when we get to her about how she arcs away from that power. But And this is one of the things I, I like what you're drawing attention to. This is a thing um we call the mutant powers. Right? Yeah. And sometimes on uh like I, I think especially of Smallville T V show, they always wanted to call them abilities instead of powers. Mm-hmm. Uh and I like that was stupid. And one of the reasons it was <laughs> stupid is because Power is a major theme in superhero stories. Mm -hmm. It's about not just, you know, the ability to shoot laser out of your eyes, but how that represents the concept of power. Yeah. And so exactly what you say, I think, is if Melanie has mutant powers, we haven't seen them, except that Melanie does have mutant powers. She has Potonomy's mutant powers, and she has Carrie and Carrie's mutant powers. Like she has power over mutants. Yeah. 
And she has, she wants to have David's mutant power. Mm -hmm. So in, in a real sense, Melanie does have a legion of mutant powers. And Division 3 came into existence because something is threatening the power of the government, of the, mm -hmm. of humans in general, that they realize that there's these mutants that are, that are threatening what they can do. And we have Clark in the last episode, in the very last episode, talking about, you know, like, who wins in that childhood, in that sandbox, your child or my child, your child is going to have, you know, the ability to not just throw sand in my kid's face, but to like decimate him without thinking. And this is one of the things that superhero stories in general and X-Men stories in particular are always about uh, the use of power. And I mean, this is why, uh, Superman's the best superhero. <laughs> because that's not what we're getting into here. That's not what we're getting into. But the concept of like giving someone power drives a narrative, but thematically, what you do with power, um, whether you use power to help or to dominate or to protect, or once you have power, what do you use it for? And mm -hmm. who do you have power over? And what do you uh how do you deploy that power? Mm -hmm. Is something that Legion is extremely interested in throughout. And we haven't even mentioned the Shadow King. And that's, once again, mm -hmm. just like what we said about reality, one of the clearest statements of that theme is in that same speech by the Shadow King Lenny in episode six, where she says, God is the only creature that matters because of power. Yeah. Um, the Shadow King's conception of what power is, is power is what gives things worth. And power is used in a very, uh, like Foucauldian way. Power, uh, is power of me over you. Uh, I. Foucauldian? Um. Explain that a little more in detail for our listener. Foucault and says, Foucault says that power is not an inherent thing. It's a relational thing. So you don't have power. You have power over another person. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more to it, but. That that's a very simple nutshell version. So there's no such thing as power. There's power over. Yes. And that's basically what, I mean, the Shadow King thinks about power. And it seems to be what Legion as a show is saying about yeah, power. Yeah, it definitely is what they're doing is this power over. Right. Yeah. Um, another major theme throughout, there's, I think there's more to say about power and reality, but let's move on. <laughs> um, another major theme in Legion is the theme of childhood and growing specifically mm -hmm. i mean i i i said childhood in our my notes here but uh growth this is a story about david's growth from a child into an adult it's about uh david specifically but it's also about all the sid uh taking responsibility for herself and taking agency and she talks about her childhood and about uh how she's, you know, how do you know how to be normal when there's no one to teach you? Mm. And it's about um, when Clark was talking to Melanie, as you said a little while ago in a different context, but Clark is talking to Melody about my, my children and your children and how, how did, are they both going to grow up? Mm -hmm. this is throughout this show about growing, how do you grow? What do you grow into? What makes you grow? The, going back into memories, going back into the story of the angriest boy in the world. And each of, and we see uh, David's and Patonomy's and Sid's childhood and Amy's childhood. 
Yeah. So we see a lot of these characters. We literally see, or not necessarily see, but like experience what their childhood was. We hear all sorts of stories of Sid growing up and we literally see Patonomy as a child in his memory. And it's definitely this growth. You're right of them from children into adults and beyond. And we even see, I mean, we hear Carrie's childhood. Carrie tells about right. her childhood. Yes, that too. And we see kind of, uh, literalized Carrie and Carrie where male Carrie is an adult and female Carrie is a teenager. A teenager. I know, um, Everman Thunder is actually older than Rachel Keller. So the actress. No is, way. But she plays her at, she's so young. so young. And if she's not a teenager, she's like a young adult and she behaves as an adolescent. Yes. And their relationship, when they start at the same person, I mean, they start at the same point, mm-hmm. but they grow at different rates. Right. This is really casting a light on and attention on the story is about growing into adulthood and into power and into relationships and into like David and Sid are having their first adult relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, David had uh, Philly, but that relationship was in many ways an adolescent relationship, especially on his part. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, and X-Men is always about growth and yeah. change. And so this is a major idea throughout this whole season. Yes, absolutely. Um, another big theme to notice in this season is the theme of identity. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Is a big question that Legion is interested in. Yeah. And it's especially, as with all of these, I think it's especially in David Mm-hmm. But it's also in the other characters, too. I think Sid is really discovering who she is yeah. as this goes on, especially once we know that she had nothing to do with Summerland before we see her in Clockworks. And so we see uh, her struggling with her identity and going into a mental institution and then re- and then really coming into herself in in Summerland, and I think she's really finding her identity and claiming her identity and realizing that this power is who she is. And, and the same with David, obviously, throughout this. And I mean, we have, we can go through the minor characters, but uh, Patonomy, remember, that's not his name. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> his name isn't Patonomy, it's Paul, unless maybe it isn't, but in the Clockworks mental world, yeah. Uh, his name is Paul and Patonomy literally means throwaway name. Yep. So who is Patonomy? Mm-hmm. And, uh, think about, uh, Melanie, who, uh, is so, it turns out she, what she seems to be is the leader of this group of mutants, but she's not a mutant. Yeah. And she's, uh, as we go through the season, we find out more and more that she's fixated on her husband. Yeah. And so her identity becomes more and more connected to him and his identity. Mm-hmm. And then we have Oliver, who himself has forgotten who he is. Yes. Forgotten yes. who she is. And if he forgets who she is and what his place in the world is, has he lost his identity? Yeah. We have Carrie and Carrie who share a name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean Yeah, I think Carrie's uh the female Carrie. I see it differently in my head when I pronounce it. Female Carrie is really her, uh, this is very much an identity story for her. We see throughout is her change and figure out like, what is, I might, maybe I do have an identity in just these eight episodes. Right. It's a real big change in her. And 
for, and I think, I hope that future, in the future seasons, we'll see more of this Carrie figuring out who she is apart from Carrie. And even the fact that, like, when we are talking about them, we can't make it clear which one we're talking about. Yes. Is, you know, because their identity is interchangeable in yeah. a problematic and muddy way that yeah. is commenting on what identity is. Mm-hmm. And then the major case of that is David and the, again, the major statement, I think, of this theme is put in Lenny's mouth in episode eight, If I Wrote the World, where he says, you know, you ever make soup? The soup speech, Lenny and David are mixed together and you can't separate them. Mm-hmm. And that's, in some sense, that's a symbolic statement on Lenny represents David's trauma. Yeah. And so your identity can't exist without your trauma. trauma, absolutely. And in another sense, she also represents your relationships. Who you are is shaped by the people that you know and interact with, and when you take the people that you know out, you're not the same person anymore. And how can David's identity, like, how can he exist without the Shadow King? Yeah. Without Lenny there? Like, he's not anything. Like, it's been since he he was born. Like, you just cannot pull her out. Like, I think of the the next seasons are going to be interesting of like, how does he cope with that missing element, that missing limb, as he says, even. And we see that exact dynamic played out in different ways with Carrie and Carrie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How does Carrie exist without Carrie? Yeah. (laughs) With her pulled out of him. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, we we should talk about that a little bit on how each of these minor characters reflect a part of David and that, and, and, uh, you know, David has uh, two people in his head, and we have Carrie and Carrie reflecting that. David has trouble with his memories, and we have Patonomy, who exists in memory and is control in his. Uh, he doesn't control memories, I guess. He just show can show memory, and and then not to mention, I mean, if we're going to talk about identity, the last thing we really should talk about. We talked about how Sid is finding her own identity, but we didn't talk about how she moves into people's bodies. And yes. So, Absolutely. Is your identity your body on Legion? No. No, definitely not. Uh, your identity is, it's your soul because it's not even your brain. It's not your body. It's something else is your core identity. And we see how confusing that gets in the end of season, of episode eight when everyone's switching bodies and we just can't keep track of who anyone yeah. is. I drew a chart and I still can't figure it out. <laughs> I think that's deliberate. I mean, in terms of the theme of identity is where that muddiness makes the most sense to me because mm-hmm. it's about how it is unclear who anybody is, right? And it's them coming together as a team that they're developing this team identity, which is an, a, another one, which it, that the Summerland people are bringing David in and he's becoming a part of his new identity is a part of this whole team of people. And the edges of that are a little bit flexible in that we have Rudy and we don't have Rudy and we have Amy is there for part of that. And like, there's a whole, this whole like mutant team dynamic of like, they're not the X-Men yet or whatever, but they are. And we have Division 3 as another group that is a group identity. And it, that really develops throughout the season as well. I mean, and on the theme of identity, Clark is another great example of, we talked about this when we talked about the season finale episode, but he has a different identity, whether he's wearing his burgundy clockwork, I mean, his burgundy representative of Division 3 uniform, yeah. or whether he's acting as a human with a 
has yeah, been the son. Exactly. Like his identity changes and his behavior changes and how we perceive him changes and how he perceives the world changes depending on who he is at that mm-hmm. moment. And where this is fundamentally at its very, very core, a superhero show, it's based on comic books. It's about superheroes. It doesn't have secret identities. No, no one's power is a secret. People don't know that their power is a power. Yeah. They think that it's illness, but no one is and like even, uh, Clark, you might think at first, like, oh, he's got this husband and son and they're kind of separate from his division three world. But suddenly we see, oh no, his husband is also, also in division three, also there. And so he's, there's no secret identities in this at all. And even code names. The title of the show is Legion, which is David Holler's code name in the comics, but, uh, there's no code. There's names no code names. Yeah. They don't call him Legion. You know, like yeah, he's not there's Cyclops. No, there's no Iceman. There's no Wolverine. There's yeah. no nothing like that. They're all who they are because their identity. The Shadow King. Because and the Shadow King is never who he she is. Yeah. Uh, and that's interesting too. That the many different Lennies, the many different Lenny, Benny, Shadow King, King, Devil with Yellow Eyes. We have so many names for what turns out to all be the same person or not the same person or mm-hmm. the angriest boy in the world. And that's also all about identity, that what is something if not what you call it. Yeah. That's why we continue to call her Lenny, uh, even yeah. though she's not. Yeah. <laughs> Connected to the theme of identity is the theme of memory. And I think not just in Legion, but in general, memory and identity are really connected to each other. Mm-hmm. But particularly that's true in Legion. And there's, I think, a few aspects of memory that I wanted to talk about or I think we should think about and draw attention to. Um, I mean, if, if we think just about how memory is working on Legion, how we're drawing attention to memory, we have the major thing that Melanie does is memory work. Yeah. We have Autonomy, who's running around in people's memory. We have the Shadow King, who's... Infected his memories. Infected and is deleting his memories. Yeah. And so it's all... And we have uh, Oliver, who has trouble with his memory and can't remember. And those are all... With Oliver and with the Shadow King infecting David's memories, those are all connected to the concept of identity, because uh, when the Shadow King is erasing... David's memory, he's keeping David from understanding who he is. And when Oliver can't remember things, he can't, he, in some sense, isn't who he should be. Mm -hmm. But there's also just a really, the show is very interested in exploring the concept of memory. And the idea of uh, how memory shapes a person Mm -hmm. and how... Uh, we can, if we look back, like all the memory work that Autonomy does with David and we know he does with other people is all about if you can see your memory through a different lens, then it's a different thing. Then you know yourself better. Then you know who you are. Yeah. And what the truth is. And the major thing, right? Explicitly, what Melanie does with David and the other mutants is go through their memories. And recontextualize and re-explain them. Mm-hmm. And if you think about like what is memory in the context of Legion, or even more specifically in the context of Melanie, what memory is, is the story that you tell yourself to explain who you are. Mm-hmm. Right? And so she goes back through the memories with Photonomy's help and changes the story. Yeah. And that's really connected to, I mean, 
that's not miles away from how therapy works yeah, in general. In general, yeah. You talk about your childhood, talk about your past, and work through those things. And even memory is not just your childhood, but memory is, you know, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Memory is David remembering, you know, he was at the mental hospital, you know, a month ago or whatever. He's not just, it's not just ancient history. It's recent history that's, that, uh, that is involved in memory. So to me, it seems to me like the three big touchstones for talking about memory as a theme in Legion are Photonomy and Melanie and the memory work. Mm-hmm. And the way that I understand that, what I think that that is important for is all the connection to identity and to story and how you understand who you are is yeah. you reinterpret your memory. Yeah. But another major touchstone for the concept of memory on this show to me is the moment when Potonomy there, uh, Potonomy and Sid are in Dr. Poole's office and Potonomy takes the memory out of the tape recorder. Yeah, objects have memory. Objects have memories. Mm-hmm. What do we think that means in terms of what memory is? Because explicitly, Potonomy's power has to do with memory. Mm-hmm. It has to do with whatever happened to that thing before this moment. Yeah. So that so includes objects. So that's a basic question of what memory is, right? Mm. Is, is memory something that happens in your brain or is memory something that happens in time? Well, at first it really feels like autonomy is like memories don't lie. They're just there. We're seeing what happened. And then later on it shifts to memories can lie. There can be things that are there and not there. And there's, and you know, he asks David, did you really read that story as a kid? Was that really a real book? Well, if memories don't lie, then then of course that's a real book, but of course, but it's not, it's whatever David's memory of his life is. And even in that, even when Potonomy says, you know, these memories are real, they haven't been altered. It always looks different. You can tell. Mm -hmm. That itself is an acknowledgement that memories can be altered. Memories can be so altered. memories do lie. He's just good at telling what the lie is, right? Yeah. And then think ahead to uh, in the Undiscovered when Potonomy and Sid visit Philly and find out that Lenny was Benny all along. Yeah. But Potonomy was in that memory and it yes. didn't look like Benny. So and was in Philly's memory it was and it didn't Philly's look memory like Benny until until he knew he didn't know. So at this point in the in at that point in Legion, we the audience know for sure that memories lie, not just David's memory, like Potonomy's conception of memory as a thing that you know exists and he can explore the the concept of the past as a foreign country and he can visit it. Mm-hmm. That falls away, right? Yeah, absolutely. And maybe that's why Potonomy get so much angrier as we go because he discovers that what he thought his power was isn't really his power. By meeting David, he has to recontextualize. And his whole sense of who he is and the nature of the world falls away. And that kind of connects to what I was going to call the third major touchstone to the concept of memory in this show, which is also connected to autonomy. And in my mind, it's when he's in the fake clockworks talking to uh, Dr. Busker, mm-hmm. and he says he likes to think of himself as a time traveler. Mm-hmm. That's how Potonomy sees memory, is he can 
travel to the past. And that's connected. I mean, I think that makes perfect sense with the idea of you can feel uh, he can sense an object's memory because what he does is more travel. It's more about time manipulation than it is about mind manipulation. Yes. Yeah. Or at least he thinks it is. He thinks it is, but maybe it's not. And we get that changes throughout the show. And I think there's two questions that have to come from that, right? And the one more obvious one, the one more surface one is, what's the nature of Potonomy's power? Is he someone who's traveling in time, or is he someone who's traveling in in another person's mind? Or objects' minds. Or objects' minds. Because objects don't have minds. Yeah. (laughs) Unless they do. Yeah. Uh, A lot of the clues we get say that it makes more sense that he in some way travels through time, gets a picture of what has happened in the past through some object or person's perspective. Mm -hmm. But we also get a lot that undercuts that when he sees things wrong because the memories have been changed. And then a deeper question tied to that is, what is memory in general? Yeah. Like, I went to a, a... talk once about time travel um, that that claimed that the person was arguing that time were wrong when we think that time is a straight line because the past literally exists in the memory. Mm. So when you remember, you jump around back and forth in time and it, the past isn't a straight line backwards. Yes. It's unconnected blocks. And he was saying that's actually what the past is. Yes. And that's, I mean, uh, slight spoilers for the movie Arrival. Right. That that's kind of how memory works in that. It's is that it's blocks of time moving all around, and it's not. It's from a non-linear perspective, and and, it, and possibly Potomini is living his life from this kind of non-linear perspective. And there's like a philosophical question of how memory works. Is that what time really is? Hmm. Because it, it, we it's don't. An, it's advanced time travel. <laughs> exactly. It's the exactly. thing that we talked about. This in is the, advanced time travel. Oh, yeah. So those are the themes that I hoped we would talk about. Absolutely. Do you have any other themes that you want to go over? I think that mostly wraps it up for me. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff in this show. I just keep, feel like we could go on and on about it for like years. But. I think we could. <laughs> and it, so if you noticed. If you think there are major themes, major ideas that this show has been playing with all along that we haven't addressed, by all means, please talk to us, send us an email, send us a tweet, and uh, we'd love to hear about it. Absolutely. And if you think there are minor themes, there are plenty of minor themes or an idea of a particular episode that we didn't go into today, mm-hmm. uh, but that we'd love to hear your thoughts about. Absolutely, yeah. Um you can find us on Twitter at ClockworksCast. Our email is ClockworksCast at gmail.com. And our website, goodstuff.fm slash clockworks. If you like this podcast, please consider rating and reviewing us. Five stars. Or higher. Or higher. <laughs> uh, it helps people find the podcast, which helps us. And if you like us and want to support us in a more tangible way, patreon.com slash clockworkscast. And we're working on a different thing that's a little different from Clockworks, but it's about kids' movies and delving deep and how much we love analyzing and delving deep into things. It's about, we watch movies with our kids and we think about the themes about those, and so we would love to start up that podcast pretty soon. Yeah, so look for that soon. 
It's called Way Too Seriously. Thank you very much for joining us today. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jamma. Goodbye.